Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, everybody, and welcome along to our latest episode of the RTGAA podcast. We've got a double weekend of hurling and football action to look ahead to. Shane McGrath is going to be with us a little bit later on to chat about hurling. As you can see, Ryan McCluskey is here to chat football, and Cullum Keyes of the Irish Independent is also with myself and Rory ahead of GAA Congress this weekend, which we will also get to on a very busy podcast. When you look at Division One in the football this weekend, no better place to start, Ryan, than a box office clash between Dublin and Kerry. I think when you get a double header in Croke Park with the two sets of All-Ireland champions coming, it's always going to feel like a big one. But any day you get Dublin and Kerry, it's box office, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be massive. Again, you kind of have seen the progression from, from a Dublin point of view for the last number of weeks. You can see they're steadily building. You can see some of the players are getting back into the form that we're, we're so used to seeing over the last number of years. And then... I suppose, yeah, we're, we're looking at Kerry and we're looking at the Clifford show again, you know, and it happened again at the weekend. You know, it, it was madness from Mayo, you know, allowing him to be one-on-one -on -one inside. And listen, there, there are very little words we can now use to describe, you know, how good he actually is. But um, it's always box office when it's when it's Dublin Kerry and, yeah, it just wets the lips. We can't wait. Yeah. Do you know what? I saw Lee Keegan making the point during the week column that if it wasn't for David Clifford, Paddy Clifford would be being described as one of the greatest footballers <laughs> Kerry ever saw. And to be fair, it was exactly that way last weekend because he's been absolutely magnificent too. Yeah, Jackie, and he's been brilliant for the last three seasons and that's probably reflected in justified uh, all-star selections each year. If you remember, he was slow to be brought on. He hadn't played minor or, or under 21 for, for, uh, for Kerry. And there seemed to be a reluctance on Peter Keane's behalf too to, to really to really push him until that last year. But he's really grown under the wing of David, his younger brother as it is. And I thought his performance against Mayo, you know, the angles from which he kicked those scores from, he scored four points, you know, really, really accurate, which which he probably isn't more noted for. But he's a very accurate player and he just seems to be able to measure the points to, to get it over the bar. It's a really economic kicking style he has. And, uh, you know, he, he, you would see him more as a playmaker, but three points in the second half of the All-Ireland final when Kerry really needed leadership last year. And again, the other night, he really, really has driven. And he it, he seems, on that evidence, he's really taken to, to captaincy too. So it's a it's a very good pointer for, for Kerry so early in the season that Paddy Clifford has bounced out of, you know, three very good seasons for Kerry now. And already he's shaping like like a fourth. So, yes... He is. He would be one of the great Kerry players, considered if he wasn't the older brother of who may turn out to be the greatest. <laughs> what a conundrum, you know. Peter Canavan, to have. Peter Canavan called him the greatest of the weekend, I believe. So that's uh, from one grade to another. Yeah, that's that's a nice compliment. Him. That's some praise, isn't it? <clears throat> Not yeah. bad. <laughs> well, look, they're coming up against a Dublin team who are finding form at just the right time, Rory, as well. You would have to say with Dublin, based on evidence of, you know, even last week, I thought they took it to another level where they hadn't been, or sorry, the last round, they took it to another level. So I think Mo Dublin are motoring pretty well as well. I think Dublin are going great, going great guns at the minute, Jackie. They've done a remarkable job I, to... Um, put in a fairly consistent couple of performances over the first couple of league games. I know they didn't get the result the first day out against Monaghan. They were 
arguably the better team for me anyway against Mayo the second day out and, and lost by one point again. Thought they won comfortably enough the last day. If they win on Sunday, on Saturday night, you know, they could be looking at, uh, you know, other ambitions over the course of the, the league. But I think the big thing from a Dublin perspective, I think he's started to blend in some a lot of new players. Um, it's going to be a real interesting one on Saturday night, for instance. Theo Clancy, I think, has been a good find for them. He's been well earmarked for a long time back from a Dublin perspective that he would eventually make that step up. Do you put him on Clifford on Saturday night with his... He's still very inexperienced, even though he has the potential, I'm sure, to mark him down the line. Maybe you give that job to somebody with a small bit more experience on this occasion. You'd imagine Lee Gannon will probably pick up uh, Pawdy Clifford because they you they kind of look like two lads kind of tailor-made for each other in terms of that all-action style and T.O. potentially picking up Sean O'Shea instead. But... I think from Desi's point of view, the league is going really well. You're still probably not going to see Jackie. I wouldn't imagine you're going to see Paul Mannion. Maybe not Jack McCaffrey. I doubt Cluxton is going to surface, although who knows, right? <laughs> you just don't know. Um, Mick Fitzsimons won't be back. James McCarthy will probably, if he plays, it'll be bit part. So I think, look, from Dublin's perspective, if they were to go in there now on Saturday night and get any kind of a result, plus a performance, be massive positive against a team that should be coming up with plenty of motivation. Yeah, and I do wonder for the motivation for both teams, Ryan, who would it mean more to to get a victory out of this one or do either of them actually care about the result? <laughs> I, I love when, when people talk about the league and say, you know, do, do teams really care, you know, about the league? And I had a discussion over the last number of days with, with a couple of people, that, yeah, that that would have their finger on the pulse in terms of, of county management as well, and their county setups, and, and they all say the same. Listen, you know, you, you can't just switch it on from league now to championship. So the league is massive, and you know, any any real, you could say, yeah, um. I suppose, yeah, you, you you want to try and win as many games as you can in that kind of league format, in the current league format, sorry, just leading into your championship. You want form and you want to be playing against the top teams. You want to be winning every game. You know, there's no loyalty when it comes to these games as well. So, you know, at the weekend, Dublin will, will go after this game. Kerry will go after this game. You know, they, they might shake hands beforehand, but, you know, it'll be left at, at that. And... To be honest, you, you know, you're looking at the turnaround of players and Rory mentioned about the turnaround of players. For, for me, a lot of it kind of comes back to the, the keeping kind of issue at the minute as well. We know what Cluxton gives them. For me, O'Hanlon at the moment, you know, he, he's just obviously finding his feet. They have to put him in two games like this as well to blood him. But there, there is a large part of Dublin's play that has kind of came over the last number of years through that kind of kick-out. And they do get a lot of scores from their kick-outs as well. So I think he is an important part to play. And listen, they will both want to win at the weekend. You know, there's no doubt about it. They'll go after each other. And uh, yeah, it'll be an exciting encounter. Yeah, looking forward to it. Let's move on to a couple of the other games then, Colm. You look at Roscom and Monaghan, and here's two teams who not only want to win, but they both kind of have to win. And I, I think just given the pressure that maybe Roscommon in particular have been under in the last couple of weeks, we saw it spill out with Davy Burke at the weekend. <coughs> this is a real four-pointer already at this stage of the season, isn't it? It really is, and you would suggest that perhaps the loser here, Jackie, is going to be relegated. I think yeah. Monaghan, after a very good start, Monaghan have a great track record in Croke Park for delivering big performances. But on uh, away from that, they just haven't haven't been as strong, and they will identify this for sure as as two points that they must target. They must get these two points to win. I think Ross Common, who are, are obviously 
have a have a draw with Galway in credit. But I think they too will feel there's an absolute necessity about about this game. Roscommon have a have a very decent, potentially very decent forward line if you include Enda Smith as one of their forwards, Ben O'Carroll, Colleen in the back. And you look at Dara Craig's performance for both for his college for UCD in the in the Sigerson final. And then he went out and played reasonably well against Dublin at times, obviously in more difficult conditions, a three-day turnaround for him. Um, and they also have Dermot Murta. It's just a pity for them that Kieran Murta is not with them this year. But they have a potentially really strong forward line with maybe two or three to come in. I think that will always give them an edge. I think that, you know, if they, they benchmark that performance against, against Galway to get a draw there. Obviously, first day out against Toronto, they were missing some of the St. Bridget's players as well. But I think they might just have more in attack at home to see this through. And that will leave Monaghan in more peril. I wouldn't like to go saying Monaghan will be get relegated. Probably, <laughs> We've all been burnt that. enough times on that front. I probably have said that for the last nine years, every, every year. So I'm certainly not. I'm certainly not going to say that. I have a suspicion Mayo will be going to Clonus on the last day of the league <laughs> their status already assured yeah. and that's a potential ambush to keep Monaghan those two points <laughs> that they already have against Dublin and they have actually survived that way before in 2019 uh, that's the way they that's they beat Dublin early in the season and that really set them apart that really fortified them for the rest of a campaign that was very fractured for them so they have lots of experience going down this road uh, and and that's potentially where they will get out. But for now, I just think Roscommon at home with their forwards might just have too much here. And look, the key people they're getting back, Rory, like even Ben O'Carroll in particular, if they can get back him on the pitch, that's huge. Davy Burke seemed to suggest that he's getting close to getting back. He seemed to think that he is going to be playing this weekend. Tiger Rourke is back. Alton Harney, I think, is back in the mix as well. It's probably the right time for him to start getting some bodies back on the pitch because they're definitely needed. Oh yeah, and they they won't they absolutely need these two points on Sunday. Um, I think rather than reiterating exactly what Colm said, I think he articulated the case perfectly there. They have more strings to their bow and attack. <clears throat> They're at home. They need the two points. We obviously saw a bit of a call to arms last weekend in his post-match um interview with TG Cahar. So I'd expect a massive re- response from Ross Common this weekend. And I think, yeah, I'd agree with Colm. I think they'll get the two points done. Ryan, what do you reckon? I was just looking at the run-ins and, and I actually probably would and, and again been down in Monaghan at the minute so I know they're, they're looking forward to this encounter currently at the moment as well so I think they, Monaghan have Galway, Throne and possibly Mayo as Colin mentioned as their last three games so yeah. for me they have a slightly easier run-in whereas Roscommon have a couple of the big hitters mm-hmm. in Division 1 as well to play so yeah it is we, we talk about four pointers it's going to be massive I'm going to have to say Monaghan because I'll probably be shot down there if not, you know, so <laughs> I'm going to go out and put it out there just in case. So, uh, yeah, I'll have to go Monaghan. Save your popularity there. That <laughs> is more important. Trust me. Uh, the other two big ones in Division <clears throat> 1, Tyrone Mayo and Galway Derry. If you look at Tyrone against Mayo column, look at what they still have to come. When Ryan talks about the run-in, they still have Kerry and Dublin to come both of them away as well. So for Tyrone, the run here that they have in particular, it's just this block of games is for a team that has already been struggling. This is going to be an extremely difficult patch for them to try to navigate, to get any points out of these games. Uh, Each of them looks as as just a significant challenge as the next. Well, no more than Roscommon and Monaghan. This is, this feels like a must win for Tyrone as well. And they'll really regret that from a commanding position, 
last weekend against the Galway team that, you know, at halftime they were two points up, they'd wrestled back control. A Galway team that's missing probably five of their, their, their top players. Obviously, Sean Kelly came on at that stage and Jack Glynn is out a former young footballer of the year. So Galway really vulnerable and yet they were able to pull out a result out of Oma and embellish Porrick Joyce's great record against Ulster teams for some reason. He's got another one coming to Salt Hill this weekend. But another result for, for uh, another result for Galway. I felt Tyrone were a bit fragmented last weekend. Um, hugely dependent on Niall Morgan now, not just as a brilliant shot stopper and a superb kickouts, but even up the field, he's adding so much to them. I mean, he, he set up two points and one was with the most deft pass. It was really to see a goalkeeper deliver a pass as he did to one of his cornerbacks for a score. But they're in deep transition. There is no doubt about that. We always say teams are in tradition. Tyrone are in transition. That team that won the 2021 All-Ireland really is, they really are becoming detached from that now. And a lot of their key players... It's amazing, Colm, how quickly it's changed, hasn't it? Well, it is. But you know, Rory, that team, the the bedrock of that team won the 2015 All-Ireland Under-21 title um, against Tipperary and Parnell Park. So it's six years after that when they're coming. They were a long time getting there. And when Mickey Hart was leaving Tyrone, he was sure. He was sure that they were almost at their peak. They lost to Donegal in uh, his last game. And and after that game, he was convinced there was another All-Ireland in them. But the peak was very, very close. And as it happened, as it happened, it was the first year that he was gone. Yeah. yeah, how quickly, how quickly they have fragmented. Uh, you, you just would not see that with all Ireland champions. But the the climb was a long one for that Tyrone team, and uh, some of those players that were in their mid to late twenties, and you know there was so much investment in to get to get to an all Ireland title that maybe the slide after that, and they really they really haven't picked up since then. And they against Galway, they took off Derek Hanavan after after about fifty five minutes. Now that's good player welfare because obviously he had been down in Tralee. You know you'd have to you'd have to respect the Tyrone management for that. But ultimately the balance of that is he wasn't on the field for the last 15, 20 minutes, and he's the type. Even though Rory replaced him, he's the type of player. He's the type of player that they um, that could really have found something that what they needed for that. So Dara will obviously be back from the start. He's a real handful, even even against Johnny McGrath, who's one of the best markers in the game. Uh, even against him, he was still able to find two points, kick another one from a free. So uh, he's really has become really crucial. And obviously, you know, you saw his third level uh, performance as well. He's really, really crucial to that team. I think he is, he's everything to them right now. And obviously Con Kilpatrick and Brian Kennedy too, a very formidable presence midfield. But I think they're missing a bit of creativity and that's why Niall Morgan is standing out. So again, I think the only reason I don't think they're probably as vulnerable is I'm not sure will Mayo bring their best team to uh to Oma this weekend. I'm I'm not entirely sure that they will. I think uh I think they'll be measuring their performances from now on who they they know they've they've some tough games coming up, but I, they have four points already. Bit of a caution. Obviously a good enough performance in Kerry as well. They may set off some players here. So that would keep Tyrone in it and, and leave this pretty close. Mm. I think that's a key point, Ryan, that Colin makes. We just don't know because Mayo have that cushion and I think Kevin has been pretty open about his own feelings around the league. You know, he's looking for performances rather than trying to win the thing. I think it's conceivable that they could go there without a a host of of their backbone of that team this weekend as well. 
Yeah, um, and I've actually noted, going back to Colm's point, sorry as well, um, and I'd like to wish, sorry, Fergal Logan, um, my, my best wishes as well. I would know Fergal. I know, unfortunately, he's been unwell the last number of weeks and hasn't been involved in that kind of throne um, setup. And, and there's nothing like the pressures of, of management and being involved in that environment. So, you know, I understand. And I know he's, he's very busy in his own working life, so I, I wish him all the best as well. Um for me, going back to Colin's point in Tyrone, they frustrate me so much because I have again um, been been lucky to have, have worked in the country county, sorry, and we are in neighbouring county here in Fermanagh. And the depth of talent in Tyrone, you know, for years it's a case of oh, they're coming again, they're coming again. But you know, come back to twenty one and we, we look at that side and for me now they, they should be knocking, you know, at the top table. They should be there thereabouts every year for me. Niall Morgan doesn't do enough for me, would you believe? He plays outfield for his club. He's full forward. He's an exceptional player outfield. For me, I, I don't think he just really creates enough. He, he goes forward, but at times he can do a lot more, especially if you look at some of the, the best modern keepers now who do attack as well. He should be creating more one-on-ones. He should be taking players on. He does this for his club. He should be backed kind of more to do it for the county as well. And then going, yes, I suppose, on to Mayo at the weekend. It is another four-pointer. We don't know what Mayo side is going to come down at the weekend. I, I've been happy when, when I've watched Mayo at times and I've been really, really sad because I look at them and I say, right, there's so much good in terms of some of the newer players coming into the squad as well over the last kind of number of seasons. But then I'm looking, unfortunately, at the likes of maybe, the you know, you know the O'Shea, uh, big man O'Shea up front, sorry, and O'Connors as well. And I'm just sitting going... You know, have they still got that desire and hunger to, to be at the top level as well? And, you know, they've been knocking on the door for so many years in terms of big battles in Croke Park, All-Ireland finals, All-Ireland semi-finals. And it's hard, you know, to continue to keep that going. And for me, I'm just not sure at times if if they're, they're just at that level. And for me, I think maybe at times Mayo are, are carrying them and maybe just playing them because of their, their, their kind of senior presence within within the team as well. I would like Mayo to travel with a full squad this weekend. I would like them to, to put as much heat on, on Throne as, as they can. I think Throne will, will ultimately beat them this weekend and that will set them up for, for a, I suppose, yeah, a, a difficult ending to the league, mm. but one again that, that they'll relish as well leading into the last number of games. So again, yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. An interesting he's, point, he's Ryan. Sorry. Up. An interesting point, Ryan raised about Aiden O'Shea and Killian O'Connor. So far this year, they haven't been on the pitch at the same time. Either uh, Aiden <laughs> has been replaced by Killian or Killian has come on later. And I think that's probably something that we will see from now on. It's either one or the other in there uh, at the end for the last 15, 20 minutes, whoever it will be. Maybe it'll be Killian's turn to start this weekend with Aiden coming in. But it looks like they're not playing them at the moment anyway. Maybe yeah. that's a policy. Maybe that's just by accident that that's happened. But um, yeah, it's a... Uh, it's an interesting one, but they have they have changed their team over the, you know over over the, over the years considerably. They have and they brought you know they've retained that athletic athletic ability that they have to build from the back with some of those players. David McBride is very very similar style to the Mayo teams that uh, carried them through the last decade. Yeah. Absolutely. Transition all over the place there, lads, and both, both of those uh, teams. Let's finish off on Division 1 then with Galway Derry. And you chatted about Galway in that game against Tyrone last week. Definitely signs of improvement, I think, Rory. We all kind of agreed from what we saw, but different tests this week against what everybody, you know, on this podcast and plenty of other places has been describing as the best team of the year so far. This is a completely different test for Galway this weekend against Derry. 
Yeah, it this fascinating game. Like it's one that I'm really looking forward to. The only thing it's in Salt Hill and forecast the for, the forecast is the forecast, believe it or not, is for wind. Now can you imagine what it's gonna be? There's a shock. Wind yeah. in Salt Hill. It's probably one of the worst places playing Tory Wags yeah. as well I've ever so, been. So so it's it's a yeah, yeah. Like it's, I, like it's Ryan, officially, it's officially the windiest venue in the country. There isn't any. Oh, Wexford Park doesn't even come close to that. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's so every does, day. does it become a game of two halves effectively? There <laughs> always, Ryan. Is that would that be fair? Like it's what you do with it and what you do against it. I think they're trying to create maybe that Patriots kind of style of thing. You know, just leave the stadium open and just hope that it absolutely just hammers. We we played on it a number of times in the National League. I think I, I ripped my, my groin actually that in one of the games and I'm going to blame the pitch but it, it definitely wasn't the pitch at that stage but it, it is a, a tough venue you know it's it's it's, it's proper old school you, you know you go into the change rooms the, the change rooms are yeah pr- probably could do with regeneration let's let's just say as well yeah. and it's just it's it's madness yeah. uh, when, you, when you look at all the other county grounds but listen you know you know if it works why would you change Ex- it and you know, exactly their homes so yeah you know they're gonna build like, and, and look i think it's good it's a fantastic <laughs> fixture parik joyce obviously was up watching Derry last weekend because they were up in tyrone and he had a good look at them um i think from his point of view he'll get a really good sense of where his team are at I think if they get if they were to put out a win, all the sort of doom and gloom around Galway football in the opening couple of rounds would just be completely dispensed with. But the problem for them is there's a team coming down that just seems to be utterly remorseless at the minute and is taking every game like it's the All Ireland final. For me, you know, we've mentioned this at the very beginning of the year. I think that will have an effect by the time it gets to the crunch end. I th- I just don't think it's sustainable. Uh, in an amateur in an amateur game to be able to be four sheets to the wind from pillar to post I just don't think you're going to be able to do it with the number of games that you have and you will you will eventually get caught out whether it's injuries or fatigue but I don't think that'll affect them this weekend and it should make for a really really interesting contest hard one to call you know that that said Rory right if you think about it with Dublin with Derry having Dublin and Mayo to come next this in itself is almost like that mini group stages that they could yeah. face later on in the championship. Like Mickey Hart could do worse than treat this like that and say, Very right, this point. is a real yeah. heavy block. Let's see if we can get through this because you are trying to replicate those scenarios for later. But I totally accept your point about the depth thing as well. That That is key. And, and, listen, he, is, and, he, is, and he is adding depth. He has, <laughs> he has added a couple of players already. He's given loads of lads their debuts. He's found one or two you know, really good player, really absolute diamonds that I'd imagine will feature heavily come championship. They they won't be solely dependent on Shane McGuigan, but um, I just think, look, like it, this time of the year now, you're only a couple of weeks out from the beginning of the championship and I think it is definitely about pacing yourself. If they come down to Salt Hill, Hammer and Tongs, it'll give you a good indication of their mindset and it's just, it's only a personal view. There's got no theory behind it, but I just don't think that's sustainable for mm. an entire season. Well, Rory, they came very, very close last year. They came very close. No cigar, though. No cigar. Yeah, <laughs> I know that. But Garrett McKinless's goal is not stopped. Uh, is not is not stopped by Shane Ryan or his goal opportunity. That that save isn't made. It goes in. Maybe Derry get to an All Ireland final, and Kerry don't just have that. Uh, those and and maybe it was fatigue. In the run-in in the last 15 minutes of that All-Ireland semi-final. But they were very, very close. 
adopting even 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 a more stringent policy towards having their best team out on the out on the pitch all of the time. That was Rory Gallagher's philosophy carried on by Kieran Meaney. They played their best team all the time, even first day out against uh, Limerick last year. Uh, six days after the All Ireland final, Conor Glass, Ethan Doherty are back out on the pitch uh, in that game, and similar again. Mickey Hart has different approach in in some respects to uh, to Rory Gallagher and Kieran Mina in that uh, they've they've used thirty five players between between uh, McKenna Cup and the league so far. Last year they carried a panel of twenty nine that went up to thirty when Kieran McFall. Uh, played so they have been spreading the load a little bit better, even though it doesn't look like that. But more players, by comparison to last year, they have a bigger panel for a start, much more on their squad. That's a different approach from Mickey Hart. So I think even though we don't see it, they probably are working more replacements. I mean, very, Derry were very sparing under the previous regime, even with the replacements they brought in in the Ulster final last year. I think they only used they made seven substitutions, but four of them actually came back in. I think the load has been spread a bit more here, which could make the difference to them in the end. Mm. Right, I, I think Jackie, Jackie. Yeah, I think they've broke some type of talent as well. You know, if you look at what they've done coming up from Division Four over the last number of years, they must have some record in terms of. You know, national league wins from from four to one. I would love maybe somebody to to find that out, but but they certainly must be up there. I can't remember two national league games they've been beaten in actually as well over the last number of seasons. So, um, I I, I think you know they they've yeah set an unbelievable precedent over the last number of years, and even when they've got up, got up to division one, they've been unbelievable. And again, if you look at how ruthless they are and, and the job they've done in Monaghan at the weekend, you know they they'll look to do to do the exact same side this weekend against Galway. And Galway, for me, I think Joyce might be under a bit of um, heat come the summer, you know, unless he gets these players back, you know, where, where are the scores really going to come from? You know, your Comers, your Walshes, you know, the likes of, we've seen Kelly yeah, coming on at the weekend, but he needs all his top players back and he needs them back ASAP. And, and uh, this weekend could be, yeah, it could be detrimental for, for their season as well. Yeah. All right. Well, look, we're going to have to win zip through Division Two now in a, basically nearly a word each before we run out of time. Uh, to pistols, me, Colin... pistols at dawn from yeah. Booster Park. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, there's that. Be <laughs> to be fair, in, in a way, Ryan, that has become okay. You might say Armagh Donegal is the game of the weekend because it is in a way, but it could be shadow boxing. Who knows? But for Man of Cork, actually, really, for both teams. Romana probably feeling maybe three points from three games is a, is a reflection of some of the football they've played. But for Cork going to Brewster Park, this really is. I know Rory's laughing about pistols at dawn, but it, it is that scenario for Cork. Because if they come away with nothing, suddenly they are staring down the barrel of potentially Talton Cup football. Yep. And that is not something that anybody in Cork would have expected this time last year. Yeah, well, we're, listen, we're hoping to maybe create the Gatastray effect, you know, a bit like Salt Hill at the weekend. We're going to take all the stands out. We're, we're going to actually make the, the weather quite unappealing for the, the Cork natives who travel. But um, no, l- listen, uh, oh, too really, really well. And, <laughs> and we, uh, yeah, we, we were disappointed. Listen, we, we started so well against Donegal in the first half to then really just throw the towel in. And that was the, the, the biggest disappointment last weekend. I don't think the players believed that that they actually were going to be in the game for so long and you know they had a really good first half um overturned Donegal a number of times and should have got something uh, yeah could have could have been coming inside half time 
Probably more eye in, in terms of more ahead in the game. I know they came in it was a draw at half time, but for me they just lacked that little bit of belief and didn't really commit to what they've been good at in the previous two games, which was utilising the keeper bog and really going after teams and attack them. So Cork will have to deal with that at the weekend. And Cork obviously are going to be disappointed. They, they yeah, had had been probably I you know the better side against Calvin for large periods from from what I had read as well, just to throw the, the game away in, in that injury time as well against Calvin. So. We we certainly be hoping to get a result, and that'll hopefully propel us through to that All Ireland kind of you know knockout phase and obviously attain Division Two status. And yeah, unfortunately, I have natives in Cork, and I'd love to see them beat this weekend. So yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you have two Cork people on this call who are I know, nervous. I, know. I think I think Rory nervous <laughs> is probably the energy that is coming out of Cork ahead of yeah. this one. And um, no little, no little. I wouldn't say there's any confidence. Yeah. Um, the, would be on the floor. I, I mean, you would need. And uh, I watched the game against Cavan in its entirety. Again, played well in patches. You know, played okay in patches. I'd say, but there needs to be an up and on, pretty much every front, whether it's application, smarts, skills, fitness, everything. Everything just seems to be a sort of a. There's a flatness right across the board. I mean, even on the line, and I'd be slow enough to be critical of John or anybody. I mean, Morris Shanley the last day left on Paddy Lynch while he's kicking nine points. I know, no, it was a good few frees, like, but he was out of his depth. Morris is a grand lad, but he's not a sticky, sticky man marker. You knew Paddy Lynch was going to do damage. What were you doing leaving Morris on him when you have the likes of Daniel O'Mahony and a few other lads who would be a lot stickier than Morris in that scenario? So they just, everything needs to be smartened up, I think, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't have any confidence that they'll go up and get a result in Brewster Park and yeah relegation battle is on the cards now yeah well look they've got Kildare Meath and then finishing up against Armagh in that last game they'll be hoping that Armagh are already into a league final which maybe could be set up this weekend Colin when you look at it because I think everybody Cavan have actually been probably the closest to them from what we've seen so far but these two teams have been out and out the front runners in this and I think everybody expects that this is potentially going to be a dress rehearsal for a league final in a couple of weeks I'd have no doubt that this is the league final. They are a step ahead of everybody else. And, you know, there's a recurring theme about the teams that come down <clears throat> from Division 1, inevitably at least one. And there are often years when the same two teams will go straight back up, but at least one always goes back up. And Donegal and Armagh especially, they are, they are Division 1 teams. There's no doubt about that. I think Jim McGuinness, obviously, the impact we expected he would have in terms of organisation, motivation, everything like that, uh, that's already happened. I have to say, I I know, you know, Mead lost by twelve points to Armagh, and everybody says, "Oh, how bad are Mead?" And Kildare lost to Armagh, and everybody will say, "How bad are, how bad are Kildare?" The fact is, Armagh, they're a really athletic, well organised team. They've introduced lots of pace into their team, counter attack, everything that was the perception around them last year that they were pedestrian and that they were conservative and everything else like that. I certainly haven't seen it. In those two games, obviously, they're operating uh, at a, a level below and they still have Rian O'Neill to come back in their main kicker, shall we say. But they're a really experienced team now over the last few years that uh, have come down the tracks. And you're looking at players like Rory Grugan and Stefan Campbell, uh, players like that have really, really brought it around. as great decision makers in those two players especially and they've 
Oshin Connolly integrated in the inside line. He's a player that's brought great, great pace to them. And, and then the other side, Donegal, obviously have so many of their players back. Ryan McHugh's had really, really good starts in the league, uh, particularly against Cork the first day. Uh, and obviously, Dara O'Boyle comes from half back and scores two three. But we're seeing a we're seeing a completely different approach to what the perception about Donegal would have been. And the two of them are out on their own in terms of scores. Armagh have scored sim- similar against against. Uh, Mead and Kildare, they've scored 216 each day. Okay, a little bit off that on the opening day, but they're among the both teams are among the top five teams, I think, in all four divisions for scoring. So everything, every perception we have about both of them is the exact opposite at the moment. And I do think, you know, I've no doubt they're a step ahead of every other team. And in fact, there's quite a gap. Possibly Kavanagh bridging that, and they showed that against Donegal, but the gap to everybody else is quite significant here. Yeah, looks at from this uh, outset. Lads, we're going to have to leave it there. So on our last two games, I'm going to ask you just in a word, give me Mead, Kildare, Louth or Cavan. So Louth, Cavan, Column, you mentioned them there. Cavan going well. Do you expect them to win that game against Louth? I do, yeah. I think a bit of a setback, Jackie, for Louth not to not to uh, convert their superiority in the first half against Mead. I think that's a setback to Louth and Cavan are going well. Huge win for them yeah. in Cork and they'll follow up on that. Ryan? Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I think Louth will be disappointed um, after yeah that, that defeat to me, albeit Costello's goal. I think I've watched it about 10 times at this stage. It, it was unbelievable. Um, and anyone who hasn't seen it, please watch it. Um, so for me, yeah, I think I think this weekend Louth need a massive performance. And uh, yeah, hopefully that'll reignite their, their um, Division 2 campaign. All right. And then one word answers. <laughs> me either Kildare, Rory. Well, I mean, look, given what's going on in Kildare, you could only see Meath winning. They're at home. I think they played really well the last day, scored possibly goal of the season through Machu Castle. What an unbelievable goal that was. And um, yeah, Meath. Meath. Colm? I think uh, this is a draw between two nervous teams, Jackie, <laughs> something around that. Because this is an opportunity for Kildare to get back, get back in. On oh, that, they beat me in a similar game last year down in Newbridge. They beat them three years ago, I think it was. They probably know they have better players. And, and I think they will see this as a, as an opportunity to turn the corner, at least to stop turning the other way. And they, they, will, they will see this as an opportunity. All right. Ryan, last word to you on that one. Mead or yeah, Kildare? I have, I have Glenn Ryan's resurrection game written down, so I, I'll go for that. All right. <laughs> I'll go for that. All right. Well, let, lots of fun to get through this weekend. Ryan, thanks a million for being with us. Colm's going to stay with us as we turn our attention to hurling. But Ryan, chat to you soon. Thank you. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. All right, let's chat hurling then. And Shane McGrath has joined us. The big games of the weekend are probably, in in some ways, the Cork-Waterford game, Shane, feels like there's a lot more on this than maybe some of the other ones. And I think maybe just given the pressure that that Cork team in particular are under, this feels like a must-win game for them. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's, you know, it's oh, it's yeah. not... We're, we're still off championship, but I mean, it's, it's kind of knockout stuff for Cork now, really, the way it's going to work out, like, say... They've still on zero points. You know, if, if they lost this, I, I don't think mathematically they can get through, like really with the, the head-to-heads and stuff like that. And it's, it's just not great. It's not a great preparation for the championship, Jackie, I suppose, either. Um, I just I just feel if whatever's in the group has to come out now uh, this weekend with the match being on down, down in Cork as well, Watford coming to town, they're going to need something from it as well, really. So 
that's where I feel that one A obviously is, is a much more tougher group than than one B. You know, for for obvious reasons with with Smith and Antrim, I suppose. You know, in that that the teams there are looking to those as bankers, and I I just I I don't know what the excuse is for Cork if they don't perform um this weekend, Jackie. Like like they have the Fitzgibbon lads back now. Lads are starting to come back from injury as well. Now, although I know Robbie O'Flynn probably won't feature with, with, with a bad hamstring injury, I believe. But like say, even to see Mark Coleman coming onto the field last week, I mean, that had to be a real feel-good factor, regardless of the result for a lot of people going away and the amount of possessions he got on. And you could just see that Mark Coleman, a bit sharper, probably would have scored two points against Kilkenny the last day. But even he hasn't he heard it nearly ball. two years, Shane. Yeah. yeah, like, I mean, it's. I, I just thought he was exceptional when he came on, the amount of ball he got on, and looked like a lad, Rory, that was. He was mad for Rod. He mm. wanted to be involved in every play. Fair enough, he got caught in possession once or twice. But, like, what do we expect, as I said, his first game back in so long against Kilkenny? We thought he was really good. So that's, that's definitely the thing. But what I'm trying to get to here is. If Cork, like with the likes of Mark Coleman, and I suppose Dara Fitz will probably maybe feature, I, I think Pat Ryan will be, for me, Pat Ryan will say, I, I'm going as strong as I can. We, we have to win this. We have to win it for a few reasons. Reason one, I suppose, is if we don't win it, we have no hope of being really in the top table in the league next year. Secondly, even the morale around the camp, like for the next few weeks, you know, we're, what are we, we were eight weeks out from championship, I think, is it? Yep. Like things like that, I mean, like there has to be, it, this has to be it for Cork. Like whatever's in the group, it has to come out uh, against Watford. And like I was down at the Watford Clare match, and you know they 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 put in they put in a good performance. I, I thought Clare were the better team overall, and and rightly so got got the victory. And they'll they'll be wanting to come with a point to prove as well, trying to get lads back from injury and stuff like that. Um, so I I think that this is a no brainer that this is going to be the the, the tie of the weekend. So I I just feel that it's. That Cork have to perform. They really, really do. Like, do you know the other big thing for me, Rory, is if you look at the way the Cork run in is they've got Offaly and Wexford away to finish. This, no disrespect to either of those teams, but Cork have had some of their bigger games to start with, and on the run towards the championship, it feels like the high heat of Munster Championship is a long way away from them. Over the next couple of weeks, they're not going to hit the heights of that, and. If, if Shane is right, you know, if, if they don't get this train moving quickly, eight weeks is a very short time period to whip this thing around and to be ready for a Munster Championship that we've seen in the last few years has been absolutely ferocious. Yeah, like you could also be lulled into a little bit of a false sense of security when you're playing Offaly Wexford, who might pull handbrakes up depending on what their ambitions yeah. are, given they have obviously got uh, a tough Leinster campaign to be prepping for too. And all of a sudden you run into an absolute, you know, anvil when you get into the white heat of Munster Championship, but especially as well. Your first three tests, um, you, you know, uh, like uh, Kilkenny, uh, Clare, Clare. And Cl- Clare first day out in, in Ennis, Kilkenny and Watford. And if you were to lose all three of them, I think it would be, you know, like that's that. That would that's a litmus test really for where you stand at the, at a springtime. Now look, ultimately, and Cusack mentioned this the night of the live show below in Parky Cueve, that ultimately Pat Ryan will be judged on championship. But they need to win this weekend just to give the whole place a boost, if nothing else. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean look, I think Colm, you might say for Waterford, they're in a 
a similar position in that they'll also want to feel like they're trying to cement their place for league season for next year as well. They've got Wexford and Kilkenny to come and you might argue that they'll want the points just as much as Cork will and I'm sure that's what Davey Fitz is saying but it does feel to me from the outside looking in that there is definitely more pressure on on Cork in this one than there is for Waterford coming down to Cork who are still trying to get bodies back themselves. Yeah, I, I thought the response from Cork when they went so far behind against Kilkenny was heartening from that point of view. Okay, they didn't win the game and they're coming in against a Waterford team that are still missing players and only getting them back. Now, it looks like Desi Hutchinson might be back. Peter Hogan might be back. Callum Lyons, I think, will is expected back. But they're still missing others. And Stephen Bennett is playing, obviously, picked up an injury the last day and is playing through what has been described as a career-threatening injury. So Waterford have a lot of issues. I always suspect that, I, and I think sometimes when you have so much underage success as Cork have had with their under-20 success over the last number of years, it is very, very hard to find what is your best team. And I still think they're uh, they're rummaging around for that. Uh, they have a lot of choices there coming through over the last number of years. In addition to the established core, the uh, Damien Cahalan and Mark Coleman, now obviously Dara Fitzgibbon, that spine of the team is still there. And they're probably still the leaders. And the leaders on that under 20, on those under 20 teams have yet to really find their feet and to find that that leadership capacity is not there yet from some of, their, some of their younger players. And it may take, before that really takes hold, it may take some of those older players to move on So to, before, they, to, before they settle. And you see it in Gaelic football too, where a lot of underage success obviously doesn't automatically lead to, uh, to senior, sex, senior success. But notwithstanding all that, I do think Cork will put in a performance this weekend and I do think they will win and get into that third place. And I think I think this is probably looking like a third place playoff if you yeah. judge the results. And I do think they will turn their season around. I thought the second half, the last day, I thought they were, I saw signs there and to, to come back against Kilkenny as they did, that, as I said, that's heartening. Mm. The other two games in Division 1A then, Wexford against Clare, Kilkenny against Offaly. I mean, Claire, Shane, we've been talking about this Clare team, that they are the form team in Division 1A. And again, I think this weekend, there's so many people will be backing them to continue the success because the, the trajectory that they're on, they look like they've done a lot of work over the winter. And this is a team definitely going in the right direction. <clears throat> yeah, and like even even the last day, like, you know, because of the Fitzgibbon, I suppose, Brian Lohan decided to kind of pull a few lads out just before throwing, like we say, you know, well, maybe the group knew, but as in regards, always being down there going by the programme. So, like, say, Mark Rogers was, didn't play, Adam Hogan didn't play, Dermot Ryan didn't play, um, Darren Lohan didn't play either. Like, and I just think that, again, if you, if I thought they were the better team down in Watford, I, I really thought they were full value for uh, for the win. But I mean, Mark Rogers, I suppose, we everyone's seen what he's doing if it's given, but even watched him in a clear point of view, how good he was against Cork the first day, 11 points. Like we're all talking that they don't have Tony and, and they don't have Shane O'Donnell. But this, I, I, I think this guy now is, you know, he's he's well known now, like he's a young herder of the year and everything. Like, but I mean, the, the way of expectation sits well with him, I think, you know, and I, I you know, if, like Brian Lohan could go down to Wexford. I was there last year, Jackie, and they, they gave Wexford an all-merciful beating, albeit that, you know, Wexford were decimated by injury and Clare went strong. Like, are they going to, like, Brian Lohan, I think, will look at, say, right, let's 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 maybe try and get this semi-final thing, try and get it wrapped up now this weekend, like, you know, and that way he could, you know, he could maybe look at a, look at a couple of guys positional-wise or maybe try out a couple of guys um, in, in, in the last couple of rounds. Like, so I, I, I do still think Clare are, are, are probably... 
the strongest, um, the nearest to Limerick, um, uh, physically, hurling wise, um, depth. you know, the depth of their panel as well. I, I, I just, I don't know where Wexford are at, Jackie. You see, this, this is it for me. Like, say, I, I do, I do understand it, and I was there that day that they, they drew with uh, Kilkenny, right? Now Kilkenny were were without nine of the starting team from the All Ireland final against Limerick. They didn't even feature. I think they actually trained elsewhere that day. Uh, even the last day against Cork, Rory, like you say, Kilkenny brought back five, six of those guys and they all featured against Cork. So they were much stronger against Cork than what they were against Wexford. And against Offaly as well. You know, Offaly are, are they're still trying to find their feet at this level, Jackie. Like, so albeit Wexford without 13 men, they drew with Offaly. Like the other, the, the rest of the teams will be looking at Offaly as, as a banker. Like, and I'd say Wexford were looking at Offaly as a banker, two points as well, down in Wexford Park and everything. Conditions aside, Offaly came up and gave a great performance and got their draw. So what I'm what I'm trying to get to here is I still don't really know where Wexford are at. Like, mm-hmm. um, I know they're they're missing players and they've lads to come back, the likes of Dio Keith, Matthew Hanlon, these kind of guys, top players. But I I I really do think that this this weekend, um, down in down in Wexford against Clare, I think this is this is their first real test for them, um, because Kilkenny were missing so many. Um, because you know it was awfully the last day. I think this is their first big test, and I think we will really know where where they're at. Like, and I, I'd love to see the team that Brian Lowen's going to name is. He's just going to say, right, let's go for this and let's let's get the team done and dust it. Because I think Jackie, if Claire Brian Lowen goes strong and names this, I think you could be looking eight, nine, ten points of a victory for 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 Claire in in my opinion. Like, yeah, that's if he does. Because to be fair, Shane makes a good point there, Colm. If Brian Lowen can secure a semi-final spot. It will give him the leeway to find what maybe he thinks he's been missing over the last year or so. Because Shane's right, they have been so close to beating Limerick. So what's it going to take for him to, I suppose, get it done and find whatever it is that he feels that they've been missing? It's probably players coming off the bench to make a difference. And, you know, mm-hmm. Mark Rogers has obviously stepped up. Shane Meehan is another player who, over the last number of years, he looks a really, really tidy inside forward that maybe we haven't seen enough of either. But I don't. Again, I don't think they are missing missing much. Obviously, not with without Tony Kelly and Shane O'Donnell. If it suited Shane O'Donnell not to play in the league over the last two seasons, that's his been his pathway, and he's had no trouble. He's had his best two seasons, perhaps notwithstanding his his All Ireland uh, final performance in twenty thirteen. But he's had his best two seasons over the last over the last two years by not playing in the league. So that's a pathway for him for him to follow every time. So it's about finding, you know, developing Robin Mounsey, players like that, Shane Meehan, and giving Mark Rogers even more responsibility in the absence of Tony Kelly. And so far, that's happened right on cue for them. And I think, I agree with Shane, I think they'll win well in Wexford. They have an edge over Wexford, certainly in championship. They seem to just have the measure of them every time, even though when they weren't going well two years ago, they were able to come and win late. And they just sometimes a team has that mental edge over them. And I think they have that over Wexford. If Wexford could go out and play Kilkenny every day, it'd, it'd be great for them. I mean, their record <laughs> against Kilkenny, even even in World Cup, if you go back, I think it's only two only two games that they haven't won against against them since. And there's been a, obviously the draw, but there's been very, very few games since about 2017 that... Uh, that uh, where Wexford have not been competitive, but against other teams, you know, they've they've obviously drawn and lost to Westmead and they're, they can be so vulnerable at times. And, mm-hmm. you know, without Rory O'Connor, Connor McDonald, players like that, they need everybody all the time. And yes, they are finding players. I've been impressed with Seamus Casey uh, that day against Kilkenny. And again, he got the leveller, uh, he got the leveller last time out against Offaly too, when they had dropped back. And uh, look, Lee Chin will always provide that leadership 
and they've brought in Connor Foley, who really impressed me against Kilkenny, that 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 full back. But you just wonder without their best team all the time, can they really compete at this that level? And I'm not so sure they can. I think Clare will have a big edge here. Yeah, well, look, they already have two points on the board and their final two games are against Waterford and Cork. It's going to be some scrap between the three of those teams uh, in terms of at the other end. But if Clare are the front runners, then Rory, are Kilkenny in this group 1A? Are they the closest to them that you've seen so far this year? I think so. I mean, the, the O'Loughlin Gales guys were kind of trip fed back. They most, I think Hugh Lawler certainly. And uh, did Paddy Deegan play the last day against Cork? He did, didn't he? Paddy Shane? Didn't play the yeah. last day. Yeah, uh, Hugh Lawler came back. Hugh Lawler, Hugh Lawler and back. Mikey Butler was back. Mikey Butler was back. Uh, Paddy Deegan maybe not. But uh, like, John Donnelly. John Donnelly was even, you know, he came yeah. on and scored a point. Wally Walsh came on and featured. You know, like I, they were, they were much stronger. So, so, right? so, uh, so he's, he's got, you know, look, uh, just obviously trying to build a panel. They're still Kilkenny or Kilkenny. They're not going to, um, they're not going to change a huge amount about what they do. I think there's a couple of big additions. Obviously, having Mikey Carey back, I thought he was excellent against Cork the last day out in midfield. He tired towards the end. He's been out of the intercounty game for what was it? Did he take? Did he take last year off, Shane? Wasn't it? Mikey so, Carey went traveling, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So, so like he'd probably need a little bit of match sharpness and a bit of match fitness. I'm sure that'll come. And you, you'll still have your old reliables, TJ will be back in the mix look they'll be in Nolan Park this week against Offaly it's the first time Kilkenny and Offaly have met in a league game since 2018 which is uh, give you an indication of how far and how long Offaly have been off the top table they don't actually meet in championship that often anymore either because Offaly haven't been in the Liam McCarthy so I often looked at this fixture and particularly in the years that Offaly have been down and there's an element of Stockholm syndrome I find sometimes with the Offaly gang in that they kind of look at Kilkenny with a little bit too much reverence. What I'd love to see from Offaly this weekend is just to go out and flake all around them and just get absolutely stuck into them because that's like there's one sure way if you're going to try and play Hurling this weekend and in fairness they are in very good physical shape. They have looked to close that gap that was one thing that was extremely noticeable the last day below in Wexford Park. Discipline is good. They've got plenty of uh, spread of scores in the attack. I'd imagine still a little bit early for Adam Screeny to be throwing him in, but he probably will start him. Who knows? I mean, he's just such an incredible talent. Yeah, so like I think it'll probably be two points for Kilkenny. At the same time, I'd be very interested to see what kind of performance Offaly can bring to the table. Yeah, well, look, hopefully uh, those three games in Division 1A are all competitive because Division 1B, Shane, as you've alluded to, just it hasn't felt like that. You've got Tipperary, Westmead, Antrim, Galway this weekend. Maybe the Antrim, Galway game, just given where it's on, Caseman Park is a tricky place to go, might be closer. Dublin, Limerick, probably the tie of the round in Division 1B this weekend. I think we we alluded to it on the football part of the podcast earlier when you've got the All-Ireland champions coming to town. Yeah. It makes such a big deal. Same thing with the Dublin footballers and and then the Limerick hurlers being part of a double bill in Croke Park. You'd hope that it'll be a big atmosphere and a celebration of everything that we've seen in that is good about the GAA. I suppose the difficulty is what kind of a Limerick team are we going to see oh, on yeah. the pitch, you know? Yeah, I... I'd say Limerick, I think we're just getting to that time now, aren't we, Jackie? Like, say that if if you weren't making the semi-finals of the league, you you know, if you have two games after this weekend for a running of eight weeks, very hard to get challenge games now as well, like the way, just the way the Munster and Leinster round Robin thing is like. So I think you're going to start seeing more and more of the regulars now for Limerick. I think the Crow Park thing is a factor too. Like, say, 
what a great place to, to to reintroduce some of your top guys, a place that they play so well, first of all, up there. Secondly, they, they will be there later on this year. Like, there's, you know, I, I think that's that's fairly certain. that they, they In the league like, final, obviously, you mean, is it? Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> you have your top three from Munster picked out already, so Rory, they're not in it, right? So there, yeah. there you go, more controversy. But, like, um, <laughs> I think um, I, I think that John Kiley will be looking at this, maybe, maybe get eight, nine, uh, 10 maybe Jackie of the, the top top guys on and then to say to the likes of Donico Dalig maybe Shane O'Brien Adam English to a lesser degree because we know about him Cahill O'Neill maybe but they're still not on the guaranteed starting team Colin Coughlin like to say to them look I'm going to give you a chance here now like here's a chance because this is a place that we that we know that we can perform in and you know there will be a nice crowd in it by the end of the game I'd say Jackie you know with the Dublin Kerry game being on afterwards so I think John Kylie will look at Eight, nine of the top guys, and then to the rest, let's say, look, here's a big chance for you. I mean, to like, if you look at the other side of it, Liam Cahill has made no bones about it. Like, he's cutting his panel after the West Meat match. So, yeah. whoever's playing for tip, if they're not, you know, if they're not the guaranteed championship guy, which we know a lot of them, like, there's going to be five, six, seven lads maybe playing for tip at the weekend going, I don't perform here. This could be it now for me. So, that's that's from a tip point of view. So, John Kiley could be doing the same to say, lads, look, I'm giving you a chance now because next week, or the, in the next game we're playing Tip and then in the last game we're playing Galway and I'm going to be very very close to my championship team for those two days especially the Galway day anyway so I think that's what you're going to see Jackie 8-9 and a few guys getting a go from a Dublin point of view look I I, I said it during the week I, I, I just think that they, they just don't look comfortable playing the top teams at the moment they just like I thought the Tip scoreline maybe no right maybe didn't reflect it was 10 or 11 points that Tip won by in parallel Maybe it's a bit closer than that, but at the same time, I I, I just don't think they're. I, I think they've struggled to to replace Donald Burke like most counties would, but a, a team like Dublin really really have. What's the best position for Owen O'Donnell like when he does come back? Like, are, are you going to have to sacrifice one of the best maybe full backs or defenders that that is there because you're just so you don't have him up front and like is Danny Sutcliffe going to feature again or you know what what, what position is he going to play in it? I, I just don't think Dublin are, are there. And I know it's a work in progress, but it was a work in progress last year as well. And and maybe just maybe the players aren't there from all done That's that's what I'm trying to say. And I, I think Limerick I think Limerick will win uh, Saturday night in Crow Park. And I, I I think with with the with the group they have and the strength they have in depth, again like the Wexford Clare game, I think Limerick could win this game by five, six, seven points plus. Um, depending on you know who who takes the field, but regardless, guys, even whoever doesn't take the field for Limerick, it, it's scary the strength that they have in depth at the moment, and the younger lads from last year now with the experience. I'm talking about the Shane O'Briens to say, right, they enjoyed last year. I mean, what a year for them when you're as an 18, 19 year old. But now I'm sure it comes to say, hey, I, I want to be part of this. Yeah, I want to be on the field. Like, so I that's that's what I think. I just think Dublin. I just don't think they look. They look comfortable at the top at the at, with the top teams at the moment, anyway, Jackie. And the scary thing of that column is if they're not comfortable already at the moment playing against the top teams, if you do have eight or nine of those All Ireland winners coming back, Shane is right. That could become a very difficult afternoon for Dublin in Croke Park. It could be, and you just wonder about the whole Dublin hurling project that is that is always there. It's always in the back of our minds that at some stage the capital city is going to come and really develop. You know, enough hurlers to sustain a really strong, but it looks as if the Anthony Daly uh, era 
is now the peak, certainly the modern day peak of Dublin hurling, because they seem, I agree with Shane, they seem to be slipping back quite a bit. Just about got over Antrim the last day. Now, Antrim will always be competitive against fellow teams around around the same strength all the time like that. But I agree they've, they've slipped back uh, considerably. Um, I don't know whether Limerick are at the right stage yet to really to really go after them and beat them, as you suggest. They didn't do it against Westmead the last day. It took them a while. Uh, it's quite a gamble, not in some respects, to hold back so many of your established players so close to the start of the competitive season. Obviously, it's a very competitive environment in Limerick. There has to be with the level of talent that they have. There's no doubt about that. But to leave off so many frontline players, and let's face it, when they line up against Clare in the opening round of the championship, we know what their team will be probably down to 14 players. And if they're all fitting well, you know what the 15 is going to be. They're really only battling for high team jerseys in Limerick at the moment. As long as everything is is to form and they're going to play everybody that we expect them, expect them to play. So they have a competitive environment down in Limerick, but it's still to me a gamble that they, they, they so many of their frontline players are slow to come back. And I think that probably gives Dublin a chance here. Mm. Not to well- win, obviously, but to compete. Yeah, well, that's interesting because the one thing is, Rory, John Kiley has, like, this isn't his first rodeo. He's done this. This is a well-worn path. He knows what it looks like. They've still been coming to the end of the league, finding themselves in league finals, winning league finals. You know, if he is resting players, it's because he's he has this thing down. Yeah, like, well, they won everything last year and I felt at times in the league. Now, the league was maybe a more, it was maybe a more, Seven up light in terms of com- com- competitive integrity. Maybe last year there's possibly a little bit more integrity in the competition this year, and there certainly will be next year onwards. But I suppose, like I mean, from his point of view, what will he want? I think he'll know pretty much 11, 12, maybe even 13 of his starting 15. He may even know his entire starting 15. I don't know. I'd like, I'd ask the lads, could when Limerick tag out in that very first championship match on um, whatever day it is, the 19th of April, will the team that takes the field be any different to the one that played in last year's All Ireland Hurling yeah. final? It will, yeah, because Sean Finn is back training. Well, Sean Finn and Declan Hannon, Hannon, yeah. You know what I heard, <laughs> what I heard the other day? Okay, the other day. idea shot down. Yeah. This is what I heard the other day, though. Look, I, I, I cannot, like, I was just going, Jesus Christ, that's how good they are. Yeah. I heard the other day, like, what's going to happen? Like, Sean Finn will be back training. Yeah, yeah, and Dickie Hannon. I was talking to him. No, good hurling person now. And he's, I said, who will lose out? Asher, realistically, for my case, he'll probably lose out. And I was going, oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. I said, like, is that, you know, that's that's how good they are at the moment. But yeah. my case, he's going to lose out. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. himself and Hugh Lawler are going toe-to-toe for, for full-back positions for All-Stars the last few years. Like, and... I'm going, that, like, you know, what do you do, sir? Sean Finn is one of the greatest cornerbacks ever to play the game. Dickie Hennon is just so good and calm on the ball and so good at that sixth position. So my case, he might lose out, like, or maybe, you know. What a I lovely just, conundrum for him to be well, in. it isn't going to be That's Barry Nash. Like. And it is, No, you know. but sure, is, is it Dan Marcy? No, maybe, yeah. Damon <laughs> Burns, Kyle Hayes. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's just, I, I that's, can't see any change. I, I I can't see any change. I don't look. Sean Finn has eight weeks. He has to get some competitive games into him. Mm-hmm. Uh, by when they play Clare, it'll be it'll be nearly a year since uh, he did his cruciate. Yeah. So he needs to find some game time uh, in a competitive environment uh, to really see 
you know, how far down the line he is to make to make that challenge. But I think by the second or third game in Munster, we'll definitely see the team we expect, barring injuries. And, uh, you know, Peter Casey in the corner, uh, he's he's now well ahead of everybody else, Graham McCahey, everybody like that. So it's hard to see a change. It really is. If they're all fitting well, that's it. And yeah. nobody else, none of the protagonists have that comfort that they know what their best team is already. And in the case of Tipperary and Galway, and obviously I mentioned Cork earlier in the year, maybe Kilkenny are a bit closer to it, but everybody else, there's still that unknown about what their best team is. And I think more so in Cork than anywhere else. Mm. All right. Well, we'll leave the action on the field for there. Last thing to finish off in our last couple of minutes on the podcast is obviously GAA Congress this weekend and the big slate of news is obviously Jarlath Burns taking over. His presidency is set to begin this weekend. Key challenges and aims have already been identified. I think probably the biggest one column is integration. When you look at even the report coming out this week, you know, widely accepted and, you know, applauded by GPA and all of the associations as well. 2027 is the year that they have outlined as when this is all going to come together. But no doubt about it, this is the biggest challenge perhaps any GAA president has ever faced. Well, you mentioned the report there, Jackie. I didn't see any report and I saw no roadmap <laughs> on Tuesday. All I saw was a date and it was yeah. get this done. And how what steps are going to be taken over the next three years to intertwine everything, I'm not really sure, except that there was firm commitments to that there to say, well, we'll get everything done. Now, that's a really onerous task. And I think, yes, Jarlath Burns, but Jarlath is a very strong advocate, advocate of this happening for a long, long time. He comes from a club, Silverbridge, where uh, ladies footballers, there is absolute equality there. And he would always say that. He said... You know, he said when he was elected elected as president last year, he said I couldn't even imagine how a club could function without the ladies without the ladies' arms. So that's the thinking he's bringing to it. A lot of speculation that Mary McAleese, who's uh, who's chair of the integration group, could even join management, and that would be how serious uh, how serious integration is going to be taken over the next three years. But there's a huge body of work to to weave all the rule books for a start, to get all the constitutions of all three bodies. And if you remember, the GA alone now has three separate um, rules bodies, shall we say? There's a playing rules. There's the rule book, the official guide itself. And now there's codes. There's uh, recommendations and things like that that don't need rule change, but can be passed by Central Council. So there's so much to weave together there. At club level, it's pretty much well down the road with the one club model. Yep. So that that's a template for sure. And clubs will be able to push in and get that done. And if clubs, if clubs can merge, and as they have been doing, and you know so effectively, and the outcomes by and large have been very good, it's really that middle tier that, you know, at central level, at top level, of course, it's going to be easy to merge. Not easy. It's going to be, they're going to be able to merge departments because, you know, there's a professional environment there to drive this on. And uh, certainly there are, you know, places, communications, games, development, all of those entities will be brought together for sure. But it's county boards where I, I think there'll be a bit of drag on this. How do you merge county boards? And, you know, county board officers will be, you know, maybe kicking their heels. I don't detect that there'll be the same urgency in that middle tier that there will be uh, and has been at club level or at central level. So I feel there might be just a drag that may just take this beyond 2027. 20, I'd like to have seen a toolkit or a roadmap or whatever you want to say uh, released on Tuesday. But I think it was just to just to focus minds maybe to say, 
you know, there's no point in moving around here any longer. Let's just fix this date and work towards it. And I'm sure those plans will emerge over the next six months to a year to show that pathway. So, yes, it's a key part of Jarlett Burns' presidency, but there's a lot of key parts to his presidency as well. There are so many other areas. He has really pitched for amateur status. I think the playing rules of football need to be addressed. And, of course, there's a hurling element and infrastructure element as well. So they'd be the key pillars of what I would see in addition, obviously, to integration. Mm. Just on the integration one, before we move away from that, Shane, you know, a friend of mine who works in football, as in soccer in the UK, said, you know, he, he'd seen the date of 2027 and said to me, God, I work in football. You know, we do it here all the time. How is it taking you so long? 2027. God, that seems ages away. And I was actually saying to him, God, I think I thought 2027 was ambitious. And like, I'm not I'm not even Joe. I'm not being facetious no. about that, because to me, all of the problems the column has outlined about the rule books, the guidelines, the administration, all of that. You see it in the one club model. Yes, fundamentally everybody wants this to work, but actually at ground level, trying to get all of these things in place and put all the right people, it is going to take time and people are going to have to be patient. Come here, Jackie. This is one of, as I said, reading the paper there, one of the greatest logistical challenges ever faced by the GA, right? If 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 Jared Burns can pull this off in his term as president, I think he should just be promoted to president of the world, maybe, and just try and solve everything around the place because... <laughs> Like you, you're talking about like say right, you the GAA and you're trying to get the Camogie and the Ladies Football Association. Like at the moment, the Camogie and the Ladies Football Association can't even have matches on at different days. Like for for the same counties, they still have matches on the same days. You could you'd hear stories of you know someone maybe bringing in a ladies football or or a Camogie calendar into the other organization to a meeting and going look maybe we could work together and been told look you may t- tear that up because we're not going to work with them. So I think like. This is some challenge, like for Jared Burns. Like, I mean, he, he talked about legacy, and he. Well, I was reading about him as well. He said, if it's a, if rather than a three-year plan, if if it's if it takes ten years, and if it's someone else that finishes it, he doesn't mind that. So, you know, he speaks very well. I have to say, I think this man has serious has potential to be a really good leader of the GAA. He he's a very very honest. He's a very passionate. He speaks honestly. Everybody in his club, Silverbridge, only speaks highly of him. They say he is a real grassroots man. But I'm telling you, Jackie, if he can pull this off. And and by by towards twenty twenty seven, not the first of January, whatever it's going to be, twenty twenty seven, and if if they're all under the one umbrella, I think it will be some achievement for him. Because as I said, there's so much to go on. You know, you'd have to have, you know, maybe one president for all the all the associations. Congress wise, how would it work? I suppose you'd be looking at having one Congress, but maybe three conventions within the one Congress, and in terms of trying to get all the bodies into the room. Column, you'd know this better than than I would, like from from being at them, but. Uh, you know, I just think you'd have to have, you know, like in big schools, you have you have the principal and you might have three or four vice principals. I think maybe if you have one president, you might have maybe three or four deputy presidents to try and to try and just see oversee the whole thing and make sure it's running smoothly. So what I'm trying to say, Jackie, like this is this is something like I suppose I heard a great quote during the week that he was in the room when it was announced, but he wasn't really in the picture. And I think that kind of sums it up to say. He's aware it's going on, but this really has been saying, there you go now, Jarlis, and the very best of luck to you. And well, that's, I don't know, call him now. I'd say, I'd say, Shane, Jarlis Burns has already hit the ground running on all of these issues, including yeah. integration. He would be very close, I think, with Mary McAleese, even who is chairing it. And I think even around amateur status and hurling, I think, I think Jarlis has a lot of work done already in anticipation that he knows the so great, the challenges are so great that he needs longer. He needs a run in 
mm. uh, for the, for these for these three years. So I would say a lot of work has already uh, has already been undertaken from his point of view, and he knows exactly where he's going. He's not coming in blind to this. He's got a, pre- a great appreciation of the GA from the bottom up top down, everything like that. He's been in charge of committees while never a provincial chair or a county chair, which is unique in itself in many respects. Well, obviously, Larry McCarthy wasn't either, but he was involved in New York at uh, at, at administrative level. Um, but, you know, merging and pulling, you mentioned camogie and ladies football there. The same conflicts are there between football and hurling that have never been resolved in some counties with one or other sport being marginalised in those counties and there's not equality in those counties between football and hurling. So diff- this is a difficult path to pass, to, to travel. Uh, if you think about it, at management level, will it be 33%, 33%, 33% representing each county board executive between camogie, ladies football and between the GAA as they exist at the moment? Will they slot in a third, a third, a third like that? They're the difficult parts and that's where there's going to be jockeying for positions and people will feel marginalised if they're not. So there's a lot of there's a lot of those things that have to be ironed out uh, before, the, before they get there. But they will get there and he will be a very, very strong leader for it. I'm sure of that. Yeah, I agree. And I do think like as part of that, Rory, you know, Colin mentioned the amateur status is another part of his core foundation of what he believes and you know all of this could happen in a professional entity where you're saying okay we're all one body and all of this but trying to grasp both of those nettles at the same time where you want to still hold on to this you know the very foundation of the game sits in the amateurism and even that is under threat at the moment given the money that's spilling into the game so when you're trying to take the integration and all of that these two challenges together are even going to magnify his job even more so yeah and there's real finger in the dam type stuff in terms yeah. of uh, the whole amateur status element. I think that's going to be a really tricky um, kind of wave, wave to sort of push back against. Look, I suppose from his point of view, I think one one of the things I would say, and I agree with the lads and I agree with everybody, he's a brilliant communicator. He's very articulate. He's very passionate. He will be a good leader. I think he will represent an awful lot of what's good about the Gaelic Athletic Association. But I do also believe that there's been an erosion of our values. The values within the association have been slowly, but and surely eroded over time. It has become a colder association. It has become much more commercially driven. It has become much more bethrown and, and behoved to corporate sectors, corporate boxes, sponsorships on jerseys, inter-county spending, everything is revolving around finance, which will obviously be a big, massive problem in integration as well, by the way, because money is always at the heart of all problems in life, as we all know. So I think the very notion of amateur status is certainly the next big, you know, that's the next big frontier. Now, there is a sense of right across the board, from the players and Shane, maybe correct me if I'm wrong. They don't want to go down that road. They don't want to be professional. They certainly don't want to be paid. They understand that there's a very delicate ecosystem here whereby we all feed in, we all play our little roles and the whole thing, because it's important for us to all feel a big part of something that's bigger than all of us and that we can pass on to the next generation of Irish people and keep it an extremely important part of our culture alive. Jarlett manages to arrest that particular wave I'll be I'll be the first person to go up and shake his hand and I will be so impressed 
but I'm really not sure how he's going to do it. Mm. That's the question, Shane. Like, you know, that's the million dollar question of the association that I don't think any of us can answer today. But I, I think Rory's right. If he can do it, there'll be plenty of people applauding him. As I said, it's, you know, if, if, if it was just trying to get the three, the three associations into one on his own, if that was just his job, like that, that would even be really difficult. He's a lot of things going on, but look, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how, how how he goes about it. And you know, maybe he might be in Pro Park Saturday. Uh, I think Saturday is his first official days. Would that be mm, correct? Yeah. Is it a big part. Sorry, Shane, to cut across you, Jackie. Just one small point that I'd like to make. A big part of the success that he will enjoy, I think, will be predicated upon who he puts around him. Yeah. Uh, and the delegation that he's able to you know, put out there in terms of the committees that maybe, and I, I think I might have read a piece by Cullum whereby he might potentially even be abolishing some of those committees because maybe he, Jarlett might have felt they were completely ineffective. So I don't know, maybe he's looking to totally radicalise and reinvent the role. Um, but I do think it's important in terms of the people that he puts around him. There's no way he's going to be able to achieve all of the key cornerstones around the major obstacles and challenges facing the association in his tenure on his own. He's going to have to surround himself with good people that he can delegate to and hopefully <clears throat> try and make some inroads into all of that. Sorry. I, I do I, I do feel at the end of his term, Rory and, and Jackie and Colm, I do feel at the end of Jared Burns's term, he will have made a, an impact. Yeah. I, I really do feel he, he has that because there are some presidents in the GA and they're kind of forgotten. And I'll be totally honest, I think the most recent president will will probably fall under that bracket, lads, because I don't know what usually what was done. I mean, I, I do feel that 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 Jarlett will will have made an impact, more of an impact than the previous president. And some people mightn't agree with me on that, and that's fine, that's fair enough, but that's that's my opinion on it. So I I, I think this guy has potential to be a great leader and to do to do great things. I, I hope he does and I, I hope he, he he won't forget about the hurling either. Mm. I think yeah. the uh, I think the amateur status will be a really difficult challenge because some of those battles have already been, if you like, won or lost around the number of training sessions. It's set at four. There was disputes over that in 2022 and it was resolved at four. Numbers on squads, it's up to 36. In the environment of game after game and they're coming so fast and injuries that happening and you don't have players for a game that's a week later or two weeks later, you need to carry a big squad. You carry a big squad, they must all get expensed. They must all obviously get training, uh, food after training. They must get the gear that goes with it, all of these things. So it's going to be very, very hard to strip it back. And Tom Ryan said in his uh, annual report to Congress that the intercounty game is professional in everything but name. And that that is true. And the scale of the backroom teams is something that Jareth may go after. But again, the genie, I think, is out of the bottle here. Players are used to that services of the statisticians, you know, putting on a plate every play, every play that they are involved in. Uh, you know, right down to sports psychologists, the medical side of it, the masseurs, the physios, the uh, physical therapists, everybody that plays a small role. And players want those marginal gains and those small differences. And to strip any of that back, it's going to be really difficult. And everybody who provides a service expects to be paid for it at this stage. And I really do think in three years time, that's one area where he may be a little bit disappointed by because it is a very, very hard area to make any game on. Mm. 
Best of luck, Charlotte Burns. It yeah. all starts this weekend. <laughs> you are going to be a busy man. Uh, lads, we're going to have to leave it there. We to- we covered so much there, but thanks a million for your time. Shane McGrath, Cullum Keys, thanks a million for being with us. Myself and Rory will be back on Monday to look back on another weekend of fun-filled action. Wherever you're going to watch the matches, enjoy them. Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road. And that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar.